Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you that you give the promise that you're coming again and you're going to put everything in the right place. You're going to bring judgment upon those that reject you and you're going to welcome those who believe in you into your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. The forces of nature remind us that you are great and may our hearts also give worship and praise to you. You're the great one. You're the holy one. There is none like you, not in heaven and not on earth. And so we worship before you. We thank you for this time. Oh Lord, we want to pray that you would bring our hearts to expectation of your coming. We know that the real solution for all of our problems and all of the problems in the world is for you to come and establish your kingdom. So we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speak to us, we pray, as we look to your word in Jesus' name. The message today, being confident at his coming. Uh, his, of course, speaks of Jesus. And I want to continue through our study in First John. If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn there. I'll have the verses on the monitors as well. But in First John chapter 2, we're going to be reading uh, beginning in chapter 2, verse 24, and talking about seven specific steps uh, that we can live in victory as we wait for the coming of Jesus. And um, the coming of Jesus is a special event in the scripture. Uh, we know that he came for the first time when he was born. And we also know that he promised to come again to establish his reign of righteousness upon the earth. And in 1 John uh, chapter 2, we can read now from verse 24. It says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. So uh, I believe that this is speaking of God's word and his love is to be abiding in us. We heard the message from the beginning. We're to love God and to love our neighbor. We've had the word of God uh, presented to us. And it says, if you have that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, uh, you will also be abiding in the son and in the father. And the aspect that I want to say is there's an importance as we expect the coming of Jesus that we abide in his truth. Um, I encouraged all of you at the beginning of the new year to start reading through the Bible. Uh, some of you might plan to do it in one year, but regardless, you need to make a habit of reading day by day. And um, not just reading, but keeping it in your heart. Sometimes there's a difference, isn't there? You read because you feel like you're supposed to, and then you get busy with your day and you forget what you read. But you keep his truth in your heart and then it guides you and it comforts you. And of course, the word to abide means that we're to dwell in it. We're to be firmly connected to it. And uh, the Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I like this. Um, there's always temptations, whether it's externally from things of the world or whether it's in your own heart or in your own mind to do what does not please God. But if we put his word in our heart, it keeps us, it helps us that we would not sin against him. 
And one aspect about being a follower of Jesus, he says uh, to those who believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Uh, We have a lot of discussion in this uh, country about freedom. We honor our military. We're thankful for them. But Jesus offers us a freedom that is more than just physical conflict. He offers us a true freedom, and we receive that as we abide in his truth. So the question is, are you living and loving in a way that's consistent with God's word? Right? Uh, to love with the heart of God, to live in unity with his truth. The next step I want to talk about as we consider how to be confident at the return of Jesus is staying connected to God in a day-to-day relationship. It also says, um, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. Um, It comes from the word to dwell or to remain connected. And here it says, uh, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So we keep his word in our heart, but we also have a living and a loving relationship with him as we abide in him. Um, There was a time in Southern California that I went and I was reading the Bible about sunset. And I had walked, I wanted to explore this area of a rocky beach. There were big rocks. And um, I thought, well, there's a little trail. The trail will probably lead me up the cliff. And uh, I started up that trail and I soon realized it was not a trail that people had made, but it was a trail that animals had made. And the sun went down, it got dark, and all of a sudden I'm on this little trail, and there's a cliff next to me, and I thought, I've gone too far to turn back, so I keep going, and eventually I come where the trail kind of finished, maybe because part of the cliff had fallen down, and I was then really concerned. Uh, The cliff was probably uh, 10 feet above me, and I just saw like a little bush, and so I reached up, and I grabbed the bush, and I realized if the bush pulls away, I'm going to be falling back probably to great injury, maybe even death. And by that time, it was dark, and I prayed, and I grabbed, and I climbed up, and I made it up, and I was so thankful. And I made it back to the main road. It was not a, it was kind of like a subdivision that not very many cars drove on. So I was literally walking down the road and I closed my eyes and I was so thankful that I felt like God had preserved my life. And as I was walking, I didn't see that I went from the middle of the road into the curb and I put a foot down, like maybe you've done when you don't expect it to be deeper. You kind of put a foot down and your shoulders follow. And I opened my eyes and there was white roses surrounding my head. I was at the neighbor's, uh, neighbor's yard, and as I went down, it was just white roses. And I thought to myself, this reminds me of God's goodness, His grace. Not only did He save my life, literally, but He overwhelmed me with His beauty. And God wants to overwhelm us with His love, that we would be connected to Him so closely that we just have joy in our heart because of who He is. And his promises to us. The next verse says, this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. That promise should guard our hearts, 
should give us great confidence. And God is faithful to his promises. The scripture says more than one time that God cannot lie. He is faithful to his promises. So if you want to have confidence at the coming of Jesus, hold on to the promises of God now. I mentioned not too long ago that I was there when my mother had her last breath and I felt her last heartbeat. But I had complete peace because she had made a profession that Jesus was her Savior. And we can have that confidence. Uh, in the same writing of 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. We have received the greatest gift, the gift of eternal life, and that is in his Son. And we hold on to those promises even in difficulties. Are you confident in God's promises? Do you hold on to them during your challenges? Do you memorize his promises? You know, um, I started to have those little Bible promise cards and I would share them in my own mind and in my own thoughts, but then I would take and I would give one to another person. And I think that's also a, an encouraging thing. Maybe you've memorized a lot of God's promises, but share them with someone else so that they can also benefit from God's truth. There's another step that we see in uh, verses 27 and 28. It says, uh, rather 26 and 27, uh, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. So we talked about this last week. Uh, the scripture tells us that the anointing is God's spirit that gives us power to live in the way that pleases him. And it says that we don't have to be concerned about people trying to deceive us if we have God's spirit working in us. And so to be confident at the coming of Jesus, we need to trust in God's spirit and allow his anointed to confirm what is true. Jesus said many times before he would come back that there would be deceivers, there would be false prophets, and there would be messages that tried to distract us away from who he is. But he also left us the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't be orphans. Uh, I love the fact that God adopts us into his family. And because he's a good father, and because we have his Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can ask him to empower us and to give us wisdom. We should not be making decisions on our own. We should ask for God's wisdom. If you've ever been deceived, at some point in time you realize you relied upon your own understanding and then you paid the price for it. Um, one time we were living in Ukraine and uh, we were getting ready for an outreach group to come from America and I needed to exchange some money. And it was in the days that you go to the little booth and you change money. Marta remembers the story. Unfortunately, I remember it too. Uh, the booth was closed and um, I didn't know when the person was gonna come back to the booth to change the money from the dollars to the grivna, which is the money in Ukraine. And a man, waves me over, and he says, I'll change the money for you. 
And as I was going a few steps away, a woman warned me. She literally warned me, don't trust him. And I thought, we're right here in this store. I think they were selling cookies and candy or something like that. The booth was inside the store. So I made sure that uh, I counted the money right in front of him. And then he goes, oh, but the rate changed today. I need to give you five more of the Grivna. So he took the money back, and I didn't see it, but he switched the 20s to 1s. So the thickness of the money was the same, but the amount of the money was greatly different. And we walked out. Marta said, didn't that woman tell you not to trust him? And I go, I counted the money. And then I showed her, and I went to count again, and my face became pale. And I looked around for that man. He was nowhere to be found. And I never saw him again. But you know what I did not do? I did not follow wisdom. And I did not ask the Holy Spirit to help me. And I did it in my own strength. And I was greatly ashamed because of it. And each of us, we've had um, situations where we've made a decision on our own and we felt shame. But the next verse, I think it's a wonderful verse. It says, um, Now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Do you hear that phrase? If you're connected to Jesus, we may have confidence. Do you know what the word confidence means? It means with faith, right? So you're going to stand in your faith uh, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Uh, some time ago, I asked myself, if I was doing what I'm doing right now, when Jesus came, how would I feel? Would I be ashamed or would I be confident? And you know what? That is a good motivation to stop doing something that's wrong. And um, it says in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And we're going to see uh, in this section, especially next week, when it talks about practicing righteousness, it means having a consistent way of living. It's not just talking about doing the right thing one time. It means day by day doing what is right. So if you know that Jesus is righteous, you should be living like he does, and you should be practicing what is right. And that is the next step uh, to have confidence at the coming of Jesus, is to live in the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, the next verses say, from verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, right, he's coming, when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And uh, in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. So we're to live in a way that we replicate the life of Jesus. You know, I was not a believer when it first started, but... A little while after, people were still wearing the bands that said, what would Jesus do? And it was kind of like a reminder. But um, we need to live in such a way that we reflect who Jesus is. And that keeps us from being ashamed. 
there's a lot of different forces of darkness at work in our society. There are a lot of people that are trying to get us to divide ourselves uh, between one another. And today's actually the birthday of Martin Luther King. We're celebrating uh, him and his life uh, tomorrow. But I have a quote that uh, I think we know part of the quote, but um, he was a Baptist pastor, and um, most of his quotes are taken in the context of either a sermon or something that he expressed faith as he was addressing people. And here we read, Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he is setting forth a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. And admonition is a nice way of saying a commandment, right? He's telling you what to do. And so we are to allow God's love uh, to be our motivation. And we're not to allow the hate of society to cause us to become divided. By the way, it's a good opportunity to share with people. You know, tomorrow, most people have a break. If you're out and about, uh, say something about Martin Luther that's more than just aspects of uh, race reconciliation. Say something about his faith and use it as a way to talk with people. Now, as we enter into chapter 3 of 1 John, the next step, uh, step 6 out of 7, is to be amazed at God's love. And here we read, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Behold means like to recognize, to look at, right? To consider uh, the manner of love that the Father has bestowed. It means He's freely given to us, that we should be called children of God. Uh, God's love is one of the things that I like to consider more than almost any other thing. When I see the beauty of the mountains, or yesterday Martin and I went uh, for a walk in Palmer, Palmer Park, and uh, it just refreshed our minds so much to be in a different um, type of environment and to see the beauty of God's creation. But I think, wow, Lord, you created all of this just to amaze us with how wonderful you are, how much you love us. And you want us to recognize you as Father and you receive us as your children. There are going to be times that people don't understand us when we talk about God's love because they haven't experienced it. And here it says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. It's kind of sad, right? When you're trying to talk to a person about God's love and they are just bringing up barrier after barrier, why they think that God isn't loving, when all around us there's um, things to testify of God's love. And then um, we are to live as a child of God and live in purity. These next verses, I think, are so important for us as we wait for the coming of Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Meaning we don't see clearly all of the transformation that God is going to make uh, as we have a resurrected body, as we're in his presence. But then it says, 
We know that when he, Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Um, I'm looking forward to be able to, you know, in the kingdom, to move through a wall without having to open the door. Or uh, not needing to eat, you know, and not being tired, but still being able to eat, to have fellowship. These are some of the things that we understand about Jesus. Um, And we're going to see him for who he is. Right. The Bible says now we look through as a glass dimly and then we're going to see clearly. We're going to know even as we are known. Marta knows me well, but she doesn't know everything about me, right? Some of my failures I didn't share with her because I didn't want uh, that part of my life to be known to her because Jesus has forgiven me, so why do I need to share with her? But also some of my times of worship I don't share with her. Why? Because I'm doing that before the Lord. And every once in a while I do a good work that I don't share with Marta. And I just remind myself by doing that that I'm not letting my left hand know what my right hand is doing. I'm doing it in secret because I want to have the right motivation. He knows us. He knows everything about us that even the closest person doesn't. And the amazing thing is he loves us. Yeah. Isn't that great? Be thankful for his love. Be thankful that he receives you the way that you are and he loves you. And it says we're to be motivated by this knowledge. Verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Uh, In the same writings, in chapter 5, verse 18, it says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, meaning he does not sin as a practice. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, right? Keeps himself how? in purity, in holiness. And the wicked one does not touch him. Do you feel tormented sometimes by forces of evil? Do you feel like Satan is out to get you, like some people express? Well, there's a solution. Stay in the purity of Jesus. Stay in a close relationship with him, because it says here that whoever is born of God does not live in a practice of sin. He who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Jesus is coming. Uh, for sure, his coming is closer than it was yesterday. Uh, for some of us, we wonder, are we going to see his coming before our life ends? Well, I know that the signs of the things happening around us are indicating that his coming is near. And this last uh, chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, Uh, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly, and the response, Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We have a blessed hope. The blessed hope is the coming of Jesus. There's not a plan B, right? There's not something else that we should be distracted about. His love, his return to set up his kingdom, it gives us joy. And our heart should say, amen. Yes, let it be true. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me as we pray?
And if anyone hasn't had that confidence of eternal life, holding on to his promise, if anyone hasn't uh, looked to his righteousness and his purity, uh, come, let us pray that you'll get closer to the Lord. And if you haven't prayed to receive his forgiveness, uh, don't leave today before you do so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. And we thank you that he lived a perfect life and gave his life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, that we could be forgiven. And we thank you for the truth that you have not left us alone. You have not left us as orphans, but you've given us your Holy Spirit. Help us to rely upon your spirit that we wouldn't be deceived. Help us to rely upon your spirit that we would live in hope and we would have confidence before you at your coming. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you promise that you're coming quickly. And whether you cause us to graduate from this earthly experience and body and to come into your presence, or whether you come and you set up your kingdom on earth, we want to live in the recognition that you are God, that your love is greater than any form of hatred, that your light is more powerful than any form of darkness. We just pray, Lord, fill us afresh. Give us your heart your wisdom for the people around us, and help us not to be ashamed at your coming because we wait upon you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's finish in a song.